This morning, as we read our scripture, actually, the scripture is a psalm that hopefully maybe Colin will be hearing very soon in Sunday school and, and with the children's ministry. It's a song that we grew up in when I was a child about a wise man and a foolish man and where they built their house. And so let's turn, if you would, with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And it goes like this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This little parable of Jesus ends what I think is the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is bringing this great message to a close with a little parable. And this parable is actually two stories. It's a story of one man and then a story of another man. And this morning, just real quickly, if we could, I think as we look at these two stories, what is really significant is the differences between the, the first story and the second story. They're, they're very short stories. They, they are two verses long. One starts in verse 24, and the next one starts in verse 26. The one in verse 24, Jesus starts off, and he starts to tell us about the, the differences in the, the two characters. In fact, these stories only have really one character the who of the story, and it's a home builder. And in the first story, it's this home builder that Jesus calls wise. And in the second story, it's this home builder, but Jesus calls him foolish. And he doesn't do it because of their, their grade point averages or their test scores that they might have taken at any time or even what institution they happen to graduate from, but he says very specifically why one is wise and why one is foolish. The first one, the wise one, he says, has heard the words that I've been speaking, and he puts them into practice. He, he obeys them. He does them. The second man, who's the foolish man, hears the very same words, and he does not put them into practice. He ignores them. He says, these really don't apply to me. And so he, he looks at, first of all, these, these two men. That's the who. But then there's the where. Where are they going to build this house? The first man, he said, builds on a solid rock. And we know that that solid rock, from everything he has said here, is Jesus and the words that he, have, he has spoken. The foolish man built his house on the sand. 
if you were in Galilee at that time, in the Galilee region of Galilee, in the summer, the sand could get really, really hard. The sun would beat down in the heart, and it would be, you'd look at it and say, I can build my house here. And so you could build, but then at one point in time, the rainy season would come, the stormy season would come, and that sand would start to filter away. And if you had not built your house or your building on the bedrock beneath there, your building would go with it. And so he said, here's, here's somebody who is wise, somebody who is foolish. Here's somebody who's built on rock, and here's somebody who's built on sand. And then the last difference in these stories is the result. The result is when the, when the storm came, the first house stood. And the result for the second house, the foolish man who built it on the sand, is Jesus says, it came down. And then he says, with a great crash. With a great crash. I can, I can think everybody could hear it. They say, uh-oh, that sounds like the steer's house. <laughs> Was that the steer's house? Everybody would say, oh, the house went down. What happened? And, and so the community would say and gather and, and observe. But I think more, than, more important maybe than these differences, and certainly these differences are significant in this Story Today, I think it's almost more important for us to look at the one constant, the one similarity between these two stories. You know what it is. It's this. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against the house. Boy, you talk about a, a relevant message today. I wonder if Jesus was watching the Weather Channel as he was giving this, uh, this uh, story to us. It has a real familiar ring to it. If you've been watching the news and knowing what's going on, you've seen um, Harvey rip through Texas and then Irma up through Florida. You know the damage that these storms do. You know the damage that, that the wind can do and the rising waters can do. And what Jesus is saying here is that the wind and the rain and the storms and the floods do not discriminate. They, they come to the wise man and they come to the foolish man. They come to the righteous man and they come to the unrighteous man. They come to the good man, they come to the bad man. It doesn't make any difference. When, when the storms of life come, and, and especially some of these storms that come in, in, in fury and, and huge size, they are going to get anybody and everybody in their way. Jesus flipped this around a little bit in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. And the sun shines on the good and the evil. So he says the good things come, that rain that nourishes the earth, it comes on everybody. The, the, the sunshine rises in the morning, and it just doesn't rise for the evil or for the good people, but it also rises for the evil people. Now on the flip side, when the storms come, they come in every situation. They come to the wise man, and they come to the foolish man. My brother lives in 
Melbourne Beach, Florida. That's in the Space Coast on the East Coast. And they were to get a very bad storm. It didn't get quite as bad as it, as it might have been. But they boarded everything up like everybody else did and, and hightailed it out of town and out of state for three or four days during the storm. When they came back, or before they came back, they got a picture sent to them uh, on social media of their house. And it was a beautiful picture of this house standing. Right from, the, right from the front, the house standing, the, 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 the fence is still around the pole. Everything is looking good. We said the house stood. Then they got home and realized that the person took in the pictures didn't go around back. <laughs> Found that some tiles had been ripped off in the one end of the house, and, and the water had come in, and the plaster ceiling had gotten wet and it fell down. And, and it's never good when you stand in your house and you take a picture looking up and you can see the sun through the slats of the wood. You know, that's not a good, good thing. But it was only a part of the house and, and not severely damaged. But that storm, when it comes, because he was a Christian, because he was a good man and his wife a good woman and a Christian woman, didn't mean that they were not subject to the same wind and rain and floods and other things that the other folks around them were. They were subject to those same. The pain and the suffering of earthquakes and floods and storms are all around us. And when they attack, they attack us all. In fact, the list goes on. Hurricanes, earthquakes, fires, tsunamis, starvation, genocide, illness, tragedy, poverty, disease, abuse, war, terrorism. We can go on and on and on with our list of, of things in this world that are the storms of life that are the, the difficult times that we go through. And we are all subject to those. Pastor and author David Platt was uh, speaking to his people in Birmingham, Alabama the same week just after the horrific tornadoes of 2011 had ripped through the south. The greatest tornado outbreak in the history of the country, they say, hundreds of, of, of very severe tornadoes, hundreds of lives lost. On April 27, 2011, a huge, large tornado, an EF4, just a very devastating tornado, had torn, headed from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, up through Birmingham, 64 people lost their lives. And Pastor Platt was trying to make some sense out of all of it to his congregation there in Birmingham. And he said a few things, and I just, I was interested knowing, knowing David, I was interested in what he might say to his congregation that week. So I, I, I was able to tune in later in the week and catch the, catch the rebroadcast of, of that message. And it was interesting, he started off by just saying this. He said, the world is unpredictable. The world is unpredictable. Then he said that, under that, he said these three things. Suffering is usually surprising. Life is never safe. Death is unavoidable. And so he started off with these things that we've, we come to accept in life. The world is unpredictable. All, we, we predict storms a little bit ahead, but not a lot. We, we don't predict earthquakes. Unfortunately, most of us don't predict some sudden deaths or some illness that come into our family. 
We might not predict a job loss. We might not predict difficulty in our marriage. And, and these storms come at us, and they're unpredictable. They catch us by surprise. We know life is not safe, no matter how many warning labels we put on ladders and different things. <laughs> Everything has warning labels on them nowadays. But life is not safe, and death is unavoidably sure. And so we are, we are, we are sitting then later asking, why? Why did this happen, and, and what good can come out of it? It was in Luke chapter 13 that Jesus was not necessarily asked this question, but it was inferred to him. Some people came up to him and they said, hey, did you hear about the Galileans who were killed by Pilate and he mixed their blood with the offerings? And Jesus said, in essence, I suppose you want to know if they deserved it. Are they worse than you? Are they worse than anyone else? He says, no, they are not. But rather than trying to say they didn't deserve it, he turns the table and says, we all deserved it. You all deserve it. And unless you repent, your fate is going to be the very same fate. And he says, in fact, there was a temple that fell in Siloam. Did you hear about that? Eighteen people died. And unless you repent, you're going to have the same fate that they have. We all deserve death. Jesus comes with a warning. Get ready. Build your house on solid rock. Listen to what I say. Do what I say. And when the storms of life come, you will be ready for those battles. Repent. What are you building your life on? Because the storms are coming. Don't fool yourself. The storms are coming. But Jesus' main concern has never been physical bodies. Jesus' main concern is always, always our spiritual bodies, our spiritual life, our souls. And so he's, he's, he's encouraging us to listen and learn and obey. And that's going to come through storms, through suffering, through pain, through difficulties. David Platt, at that point in time, he, he said two more things I want to share with you real quick. He says, these tragedies and disasters remind us, first of all, of our sin is universal. Why is it that we are in this world of pain and suffering? It's because our sin is universal. We have all sinned. The sin has affected everything in this world. And it's affected everything that affects, now affects us and impacts you and it impacts me. Our sin is universal. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so this sin brings these tragedies into our lives. The sin brings these storms. And they come. And the second point he made is this. Our suffering is inevitable. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. And you start reading through Jesus' words and through the words of Paul and all the other letters that are in the Scripture, and you see so much talking about suffering because it's a given. We are going to suffer. If you live long enough, I don't make very many, I'll, I'll tell you this, this is a fact, but I'll tell you this is a fact. If you live long enough, you're going to suffer pain. You're going to suffer a loss. You're going to suffer sorrow. It's going to happen. It comes into all of our lives. The storm will come. Now you say, 
Pastor, that sounds great. What's this got to do with our chairs? And what's this got to do with our, our being, becoming, growing in Christ? I can tell you an observation I've had. And I think it's an observation not only that, that I have, others have, and I think Scripture would, would verify that, that sometimes as we grow in Christ, and this, is all, this represents our growth path in Christ, there are no times that we are closer to Christ. There are no times when our relationship with Christ is more critical than we are going through dark, dark times. When we are going through tragedy, when we are going through the storms of life, that is when we grow even closer to Christ. I can only tell you my experience, but I think it, it reflects some experiences. When things are going great, when there's not a problem in the world, when we are in a 22-game winning streak, I'm, I'm not being tried. I'm not being tested. It's easy to fall back and to not press into my relationship with Christ, to relax and, and rely on what has been built up in the past and not to keep building on that firm foundation. Don't stop building. Keep building. And so, and so maybe tend into the comfortable chair. My Christian life's comfortable. Everything's going well. I got a great job, great wife, great family, not, no health problems. But then when the storm comes, when the storm comes, I lean more and more and more into my relationship with Christ. I draw on his strength. I draw on his grace. I draw on his mercy. And so this morning, I'm, what I'm asking is, as you go through the, 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 the storm, as you go through the floods, as you go through the wind, what are, you, what are we learning from that that draws us closer to Christ? What are we learning from those that draws us close to Christ? Because it does. That third chair that we read, that we talk about in, that, in your program, is again that insert that describes each one. And it says this. It says, my faith has become more tangible and personal. I have a daily hunger to hear God's voice in the scriptures. I don't know what I would do without a prayer life. I'm open to vulnerability and accountability in my relationship, in my, in my Christian relationships, and I'm becoming known as a generous with my time and resources. Also, sharing my faith and living out God's purpose for my life is becoming very important to me. A lot of the same descriptions we saw in this chair, but it's, it's more intentional. It's with greater purpose. It's with an increased passion that we, that we submit to God. And it's many times because, not because things are going good, but it's because of our reliance on him. We do not grow as Christians in a vacuum. We don't, we don't grow separate from what's going on in the world. Everything that's going on in the world is having an impact on us. Whether it's a disease, whether it's, whether it's our, our children and, and what they're going through, or, or our spouse, or a flood, or a tornado, or some other abuse that might be affecting us. We grow in the midst of that. And how we respond to that is critical. We have an example. We have an example, though, in the Scriptures that I think is incredible. Hebrews 5.8 tells us this. Even though Jesus was God's son. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. 
even though Jesus was God's son, even though he was the perfect God-man, Hebrews tells us that he learned obedience, not through the good times, not through the miracles, not through the casting out of demons, not through the walking on water, you know, making bread and fish appear. That's not how he learned obedience. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. What are you learning through your sufferings? If Jesus, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, could learn obedience, if he could take the suffering that he endured, the suffering of the temptations, the sufferings of Gethsemane, of being rejected, of knowing what was coming, how much more can we learn? How much more can I learn through the sufferings that I go through on a moment-by-moment, daily basis? Last week, we talked about this, this uh, formula, I guess it is. It's really a pathway, a pathway of, of revelation leading to obedience, which leads to transformation. When we respond in obedience, and the Scripture says Jesus responded in obedience, and somehow, he was, he was even made more mature, more ready, more obedient. He was never disobedient, but he was, he was, he was ready to take on what was going to be required of him. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. The verse after that says this in Hebrews 5, Then being made perfect... He, Jesus, became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. This suffering, the suffering that that led him to be even more obedient, to learn obedience, eventually took him to the cross. So we might not, let me, let me say this, we might not understand why we go through the pain, why we go through the suffering, why him and not her, or why her and not him. But when we go through the suffering, we certainly learn a lot about the God we serve. A suffering God. It's been said that when you worship a suffering Messiah, it changes a lot about how you view yourself. When you realize you serve a Messiah, a Savior who suffered, it changes how you view yourself. It changes how you view suffering. Paul understood suffering. If you've been here through our series of Acts, you know Paul understood suffering. If you've read his letters, you know Paul understood suffering. And he says, if Jesus, I think he says, if Jesus can learn something from suffering, we ought to be able to learn something from suffering. In fact, he says in Romans chapter 5, he says this, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. In our relationship with Jesus Christ gets more intimate and we get closer to him as we walk through this. We find out that the suffering is just one link in the chain of spiritual growth. In fact, I've called this the, the, the fruit of suffering. The fruit of suffering that Paul points out here is these three things. First of all, it's, it's perseverance. 
The fruit of suffering is that Paul says you, you should persevere. James 1.12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. His house is the one that's going to stand. This perseverance is, is, a, is more than just patience. It's standing up against the pressure. Just what these houses are doing in this, in this parable. This house is standing against the pressure of the wind. It's persevering. It's ready to go another day against another storm because it's built on foundation, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Perseverance leads to character. When we stood firm, when we've gone into the battle, our character is honed. I think sometimes I can tell somebody who's gone through hard times, difficult times, because there's something about their character that has been sharpened. Something is more resolute in their character. This character is being fully mature, even perfect. 1 Peter 1.7, the trials and tribulations come so that your faith may prove genuine. And finally, perseverance leads to character. Character then leads to hope. When we've persevered and, and our character has been sharpened, we become closer and closer and closer to Christ, we realize that we have a hope in spite of the darkness, in spite of the trial, in spite of the storm in life. Romans 8.18, Paul says, yet what we suffer now is nothing, <laughs> nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Do you have hope in your suffering? I, I, I wonder this, this morning, as, as, we, as we are growing in Christ, we live in this world. If we lived in this world long enough, we're going to have trials and tribulations. What are we learning through that? And if we're building our, 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 if we're building our house, if we're building our, 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 our Christian walk on sand, not on what Christ says, not in obedience to him, then when the storm comes, we fall. But if it's strong, then eventually... Eventually, we go closer and closer and closer to Christ in the midst of the difficulties that I know we're going through. I know we struggle with. And that hope that we have not only builds us up, but it builds others up. There's a young man, his name's Daniel Ritchie. He was a student pastor at a church in North Carolina. He's the husband and father of two. But Daniel was born with no arms. Not an easy life. In fact, he, he tells his story about how he was laughed at and ridiculed and jokes made and, and just abused as a child and as a young person. He talks about the storms that he went through the darkness, the trials. But then he wrote this as a young pastor. He says, one of the most interesting realities of suffering is that our personal pain also speaks to those around us. Our pain becomes God's megaphone to a watching world. The world gravitates to a cancer patient who has hope and peace. 
Bystanders are astounded over the parents who cling to the good father as they bury their own child. My friends are taken back when I can shrug off hateful words of my disability and turn my focus to what God says about me. Our pain gives us a platform. The question becomes then, what am I saying to the world in the midst of my pain? Do I let my circumstances, my faith, become the product of my circumstances? Or is God still good, even if my circumstances are not? The scope of his character and grace do not change when suffering comes. As I trust God, even in my heartache, I let my life speak of a hope that extends well beyond what I can see or touch. What's your response telling the world to your sufferings? What's your response telling God about where you want to be in relationship with him? I, I just felt this morning as, as, as been preparing and thinking about this sermon for a couple weeks, boy, when you start talking about pain and suffering, instead of 30 minutes, we could probably take 30 weeks and not even touch the topic. But I, I just asked this morning, if we accept that suffering is everywhere, the sin of the world has caused suffering to, and pain to really attack us all. If the storms and the wind and the rain and the floods come to the just and the unjust, the wise and the foolish, how are we responding when those storms come to us? What am I learning? What am, I, am I like Jesus? Can I learn from my suffering? Can you learn from your suffering? Can you be like Paul and say, hey, I see the suffering has brought in me. It's brought perseverance and character and hope, and hope doesn't disappoint. So much so that Paul welcomed and even went after the sufferings of Christ. In fact, in Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Because like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, I want to experience what Christ experienced. I serve a Savior who has suffered. And now it's my time to suffer for him. And I want, I want to learn from that. And I want, to learn, I want to learn patience and perseverance. And I want to learn character. And I want, to, I want to learn more about this hope of the resurrection of the dead. I want to know more about Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in deeper ways. And for some of us, it's hard to accept because we avoid, I avoid pain and suffering any way I can. And you probably do too. Can I avoid it? Lord, is there some way I can get through this without having to have, being, have any pain? What are we learning through our pain and our suffering? Paul knew, though, God had told him, and Paul wrote down in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God told him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. When uh, David Platt finished his sermon back in 2011, he wrapped it up with this. 
And I think this kind of wraps up my thoughts. He says this, first of all, the tragedies, and he specifically said tornadoes, but these tragedies, disasters, the darkness remind us of the urgency of our mission. It reminds us of the urgency of our mission. We never know what could happen. And then he says this, life is fleeting. People are perishing. Eternity is coming. And walking through life, we never know how fleeting life would be, how quickly eternity might be coming. Is your house built on solid rock this morning? Are you continuing to press through in the storms? And what are we learning from that? How is God honing your character? Would you stand with me? And we're just going to sing through real quickly a couple times. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're going through a struggle, and I just encourage you right now to, to in your seats, maybe you want to just say, Lord, help me to learn something through this. Help me, to, help me to grow close to you through my struggle. If you want to come pray, we're up here. Pastor Eric and I can pray with you. Others can pray with you. Let's just sing through this for just a minute, and then you can respond if you want, and then we'll close with a benediction. Grace that flows like a river Washing over me Fount of heaven Love of Christ or Peter, excuse me, closes his letter that he wrote to Christians all over the world, really. Many going through persecution and trial and tribulation, storms in their lives. And he closes his letter, 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, with this. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. After you suffered a little while, I encourage you this week, if you're suffering, what can I learn from this, Lord? 
If you're going through a trial, a tribulation, Lord, I, I'd really like out of it. Yeah, it's okay to say, it's, Lord, what's the solution? But, but also, what can I learn through this? How can I draw closer to you? How can I grow in my Christian walk? How can I become more like you through this? If you are not going through a trial, and maybe it's been a while since you've gone through any difficult times, I'd ask you, what are you doing to prepare for it? What are you doing to prepare for what is going to come? Are you building your house on a solid foundation? Are you becoming that close to Christ person who's leaning more into Jesus every day in your, in your study, in your prayer, in your giving, in your testimony? Because the storm is coming. A storm's coming. Be ready. Be on alert. Don't fear. Because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. He that is in the world. And as God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you go with us today? Um, I don't know what kind of trials, temptations, challenges, storms are in the lives of individuals here this morning. But Lord, I believe that you have called us to walk through those hand in hand with our suffering Savior. Lord, teach us obedience. Teach us perseverance. Lord, teach us character. Hone our character. Lord, fill us with hope so that we can walk through these storms glorifying you participating in your sufferings with you because, Lord, you are a God who gave it all for us. Thank you so much. We know we don't deserve it. We know we all deserve death. But through Jesus Christ, we have life. Life abundant. Life to face the challenges that come our way. Just go with us. Thank you for each one here this morning. Lord, may they go today in victory because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Go in the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior. You're dismissed.